Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Poke the Bear episode 104. Connor, 104 episodes. My goodness. I'm Evan Marinovsky. That is Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. It has been a very busy week. I mean, really freaking busy week. Dev Camp's always kind of busy, but then you throw on Jim Montgomery intro presser. You also throw in free agency. We're waiting on Krejci and Bergeron. Just the list goes on, and we're recording this before Friday, and Friday will be the scrimmage. That's like the big development camp day. Right. That's the most important day of development camp because we get to see how these guys do. Because, you know, the past week, you know, for people who don't go to dev camp, it's very much first couple of days are drills, some bag skates, you know, edge work and stick handling. And, you know, today, Thursday, there were some battle drills. And then Friday is like the big day. That's when right. you get to really see stuff. So uh, not a lot of dev camp in this episode, just because there are other things that, you know, we need to talk about. Um, and I mentioned a little bit of it in, in the start of what I just said, in the sense that uh, are there any concerns as we sit here and wait for Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci? Because we've been, you know, we thought, you know, there have been reports for many weeks now. Joe McDonald had reported a few weeks ago uh, that Bergeron was officially coming back, that it was happening. Um, and that's where it seems to be headed. The best part of the Bergeron stuff is all these draft picks. I've been saying, oh yeah, Bruce Bergeron called me. He said he's excited to play with him. Like Pavel Zaka uh, on Thursday yeah. was like, I can't wait to play with him in training camp. So seems like he's coming back. It's just like, when is this happening? And should people be concerned about Bergeron and Krejci, uh, the news not being announced yet? Yeah, I don't think it's time to, you know, hit the button, go to DEFCON 1, right? I think it's more, I think Bruins fans are probably, were hoping that as soon as uh, free agency started on Wednesday, that, you know, the Bruins are going to have these contracts all set, you know, tied together with a nice little bow, like, and have them ready to drop it at 12. Yeah, 1203, you know, PM on Wednesday. Uh, Hasn't been the case. I don't know. I, I wouldn't put that as. I know for a lot of Bruins fans, your first instinct is just to immediately panic and be like, oh, they, they're far apart in contracts or, or in terms of money or what have you. I don't really think it's that. I think it's more of the fact that the Bruins kind of have to have their get their ducks in a row in terms of uh, financially, whether it's moving out a contract or, or freeing up some money somehow. Because, uh, you know, let, let's just say, for example, they move a guy like Mike Riley, right? If you, if you want to trade Mike Riley, probably do that before you sign Krejci and Bergeron and put yourself over the, the salary cap because all of a sudden you have no leverage 
if you, you know, are all of a sudden sitting at 86, $87 million. And then you're like, all right, you guys want Mike Riley, a team that maybe even wants him. Let's say it's Arizona, Chicago, what have you. Yeah, Vancouver. Yeah, a guy that could actually use a not a team that's kind of tanking like Chicago. But for them, what's the incentive when you know that the Brooms need to get under that cap limit? So I guess when also Don Sweeney and uh, every single prospect has talked about like the inevitability of Bergeron coming back kind of hurts your leverage a little bit. But I imagine the Bruins just want to take care of that part of it first, as opposed to adding more headaches further down the line when it comes to uh to freeing up that cap space. So I wouldn't necessarily panic again. I think it would have been ideal if you didn't have to worry about that. Almost like how Tampa for agency starts and all of a sudden they lock up like, you know, Sorelli, Sargachev and Chernak right away. That makes it a lot easier, right? You don't really, you're not stuck in this kind of state of limbo they're in right now, but I don't think it's something where it's something's all of a sudden gone wrong and they're trying to pick up the pieces. At least that's the hope. Cause if not, if that is the case, they're in trouble because everyone's already signed and they have no cap space. So you hope it's uh, just the fact they're trying to um, take care of other kind of errands along the way before they have those guys sign at the dotted line. Yeah. I'm not worried about Bergeron and I'm not super worried about Krejci, but there's a part of me with Krejci that feel the way his personality is, the way he, the way he operates that I could almost see him negotiating with them one day. And then the next day waking up and being like, eh, I don't really want to come back. I don't know why I was doing all it's that. Too many checks. Really back. This, yeah, <laughs> too many checks with Zaka now too. Um, and Stunichka, uh, oh, Bruce yes. Cassidy used to say. This was a joke we were having in the press box on uh, Thursday morning. But I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about it. I wouldn't sound the alarm. But there's a part of me that's like, wouldn't shock me uh, if that were the case, just given the way he is. But again... I'm just curious what's taking so long because I know Bergeron's making a decision whether or not he wants to come back. I know both of them are, but an interesting thing was Sweeney mentioned he had multiple conversations with Krejci on Wednesday, the day of free agency. What were the conversations? Like, wh- I granted, you just say, hey, I'll just check in, in, yeah, boom, <laughs> off to a bad start. Um, but you look at, like, you think about, like, is he, are you like, hey, like, where are you at now? Hey, where are you at? Like, what is, like, are they negotiating a price? That's what I'm wondering with both of them. Like, are they now to the point where they're both coming back, but the price is what they are trying to, the the, the uh, incentives, because as Sweeney said, they're probably going to be very incentive-laden deals uh, given the salary cap issue they have. Another thing that makes me think even they are a little worried about this, the Zaka trade, Pavel Zaka, because Pavel Zaka, obviously uh, prior to the 12 p.m. Uh, free agency start, uh, Pavel Zaka was traded. Eric Halla traded for him. Uh, goodbye, Eric Halla. Really, I mean, surpassed all expectations. Like they sold high on Halla. Easily. Yeah. Good for them. But my takeaway was Zaka's an insurance policy, not just for the top six for when Marshan's out to begin the year. But if David Krejci decides he doesn't want to play or he doesn't want to come back, or Patrice Bergeron says, you know what, I'm done, I'm retired, is he the most ideal candidate? Is he the is he a the best number two center? No, he is not. But at the very least, you could plug him in there as maybe an Eric Halla with the chance of real potential, they feel like, as opposed to if they just kept Halla and said, well, we figure what we're going to get out of him. So in, in Zaka, I feel like they got an insurance policy and they sold high on Eric Halla. So to me, I actually like this trade. What did you think? Yeah, no, I, I like it too. I think it is one thing where definitely as a you know 25-year-old guy who can play at the center position, it's his natural position. You're right that it is an insurance policy. 
still not the the best one, right? Like I, I don't no. think you're trading oh, God, for him. No. Even like let's look at Eric Halla. Like you kind of even though we've both said that uh the Bruins wanted to improve, you can't have Hall at two C. That being said, we do know that he can play that spot and he can uh, drive play alongside guys like uh David Pasternak and Taylor Hall. So I don't think even even though it makes logical sense that you're moving Halla, a guy with one year left for a younger player in Zaka. If the Bruins' intention was to just swap those guys out, uh, that's there's risk involved with that in terms of expecting him to just, you know, all right, he's going to be with Pasternak and Hall. He's going to do great. Like, there's no guarantee of that, uh, especially oh, no. compared to a guy like Halla. So I think it's like most of this offseason. I think it's probably what is frustrating Bruins fans. It's, I think you can't give the full grade on Zaka until these other pieces fall into place, right? Because if he is your 2C, uh, then you're like, Okay, you know, like, you know, maybe at that point we just signed, we should have just signed a guy like Strom or, or something like that, as opposed to a guy like Zaka, who it's good, not great, uh, especially in what his role is. Now, if Bergeron and Krejci are both back and Zaka Which is the is, likely scenario. Which is the likely scenario. It's what, what we imagine. And he's uh, maybe in the top six to stop the year just because Martian's out. But if you get to December and January and it's... Uh, Zaka down on the third line with Charlie Coyle and Craig Smith, and you've got your top six in place as we've kind of mapped it up before. There's a lot to like about that. Like, I think Zaka, if he's put in a role like that with a puck possession center like Coyle and a, a shot first guy like Smith, makes plenty of sense. Like, the kind of the book on Zaka is a six three forward, not necessarily a bruiser, but can get into inside ice. Uh, his finishing numbers have been so so, but a really good transition player. So, you know, it kind of falls in line with what we heard about Montgomery. I think you talked about it on a podcast of his, I, you know, his methods in terms of crafting lines is having a good transition guy, a good possession guy, and a good finisher. Kind of have that there if you're looking at that third line. So I, I agree that it's a, it was a crafty move by the Bruins in terms of adding a younger guy that maybe is a little bit more versatile and could be really effective in that third line. But it's all going to depend on what their long-term plans are and where he exactly fits in the lineup. Because again, if, it's him between uh, Hall and Parsonak. He'll probably be productive. You're going to have talent there. But if if he's down on the third line, getting better matchups and hopefully getting more out of Coyle and Smith in the process, then I think that's a win-win in terms of where he kind of best fits in this lineup. It's funny. The Bruins think that it's a pretty safe bet that Zaka is going to continue to grow and has a much higher ceiling than most people think. But when we're talking really safe bets that nobody can dispute, it's our good friends over at Bet Online. Right, you are, Evan. Listen up, guys. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your bet needs and sports info. Both basketball and hockey might be in the midst of their off seasons, but over at Bet Online, you can still find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, the latest fight news, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code CLNS50. Bet online with the game stats. Stats. Where are the game stats? That is an interesting thing with Zaka, though, that they really do think that he has this much higher ceiling. And again, that's kind of been the MO on his whole career. Like, I think the Devils just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. It just never came. And it's funny, in the video for Bruins Rinkside, I actually talked about how 
um, in some ways, and this is going to get people to kind of go like, ooh, but like Coil, in a sense, the Bruins have been waiting and waiting and waiting to produce on the ice. I mean, like everything aside from production, Coil has been great, but production wise, they've been just kind of like, all right, when are you going to hit like 50 points, right. 60 points? I think there's that same thing with Zaka. Maybe if you put them together, like they cancel each other out and they just start producing like crazy. I mean, who knows? It's 80 point seasons. 80 point season, baby. Coming up for a third line, most ever. Um, an, an interesting thing about free agency day, judging by the contracts, probably not the worst thing in the world that the Bruins were not the most active team there. Now, they also couldn't be. See, the, the, the salary cap being full for them is a blessing and a curse. It's a curse because you can't really do anything, but it's a blessing because you can't sign any terrible contracts, which were everywhere on Wednesday. It is amazing to me how every year there's bad contracts, right? Like obviously the most notorious one was um, summer 2016 when you had Lucic, you had uh, David Backus, you had, um, oh, there's one, there's a couple with Detroit. Was Franz Nielsen? One of I think them. so. That was one, right? It, it, it was, was that. Brutal. It was the. It was the the off season where the D- Detroit more or less made it add another two or three years onto their rebuild in terms of instead of like ripping it up then and doing a clean slate, dragged it out and then you know only right now they starting to bounce back in twenty twenty two. Yeah. So in some ways, a pretty good thing uh, that the Bruins were not super active. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. It, it's one of those ones where you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? In terms of all right. It's good they didn't have Cavs face, so they didn't sign uh, Good Branson or someone like that, or even like uh, Nick Delorier, who, again, I think if he signed to a reasonable deal, has value for a team that maybe just wants that extra bite on their roster is kind of a spare pot, but not a, a four-year contract, right? Like, that that's the thing. It's all about the term and, uh, you know, the annual payout, I think, is a bigger issue. But then you look at some other guys like uh, – like Nola Chari, who got one year at what 1.25, which I found crazy. I you know, don't understand for, that. Yeah, for all the the contracts that you know you merely point to, and I think everyone focuses in on the overpays or the, the long term deals that you know right from the get go aren't going to pan out. Whether it's you know guys like Achari who kind of fell through the cracks, or guys that kind of suddenly jumped into the free agency market late because of all those uh, qualifying offers that weren't issued out. There was a lot of value to be had, I think, for teams that wanted to just maybe add another spare pot, uh, you know, whether it's on the the third or fourth lines, third, third pairing. You know, Jan Ruta went for a pretty affordable deal, I think, to Pittsburgh, someone you mentioned before. Um, so as much as you want to look at, you know, the Goudreaux of the world or all those guys, Goudreaux, who also, I mean, one hilarious that he went to Columbus, but also didn't exactly break the bank. I think people no. thought, I think people thought he was still going to get 10 and a half, 11, which might mean a good thing for David Pasternak. Um, but other than that, or for the Bruins, I guess, in terms of, uh, yeah. you know, signing him to an affordable deal, plus he's going to get paid regardless. Anyway, I digress, but uh, I think you look at the Bruins and, um, even if you weren't going to be able to afford to sign a guy like Mason Marchman, who went for four and a half, I was kind of surprised that he got that payout or, you know, they, didn't, they weren't going to sign a guy like Palat who made, who's making 6 million a year. There were so many other guys, uh, even like what Strom just signed with, with Washington at three and a half million. I like, Dylan Strom. Like there's, nothing. there's a lot of guys out there who are useful, uh, you know, bottom six players or third pairing guys that would have fit in what the Bruins would need. Which is adding extra depth or an extra scoring piece, but when you're, you know, have four million in cap space after the Hall of Trade, and you still have to sign Bergeron and Krejci, as we expect or predict, 
along with Zaka's new contract, people kind of forget that he's an RFA. So you have to walk him into a deal and who knows what that's going to be. I think you mentioned the qualifying offer might've been 3 million around then. So it was 3 million. So what, three and a half, four, like I, 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 I was thinking like somewhere between 3.1 and like 3.56. Yeah. That's what it should be. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that's what it will be. Right. So I think that's a, an interesting to, uh, thing to decipher. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I, I just, I look at sort of, um, the bad deals. I always like to focus on the bad deals. And it's like, oh, it's good. You couldn't do that. Uh, but there, as you said, there was value out there. Um, the Gaudreau thing is interesting because I swore I saw somewhere on Twitter. I could be, I could have like gotten tricked by like ball sack sports or something. Who knows? Um, <laughs> wouldn't be the first one. It definitely would not be the first. But someone tweeted out that Columbus's initial offer was around like 12 million per year. I swore I saw that somewhere. Again, I shouldn't be just like spitballing I, I, I feel like I saw that as well. From like I, I want to say it was from a pretty established NHL source. So it was. I don't think yeah. it was. So that's that's why I like I, I was so surprised when it was like 9.75 uh yeah. when it came in at like wow. Um and again, good for Columbus though. Like that's an interesting like good for freaking them. And you know, anyone who's been to Columbus always says like it's a cool city, you know, like the, the fans are super nerd. I've never been. I've never been to Columbus. Ohio does not entice me whatsoever. Um, no offense. Love, if you're from Ohio, like more power to you. I mean, like freaking credit to you. You're awesome. That should um, be the Ohio State slogan is freaking credit to you. It's like they're like visit Ohio or like, you know, get like a, a thing to get like a rebate to stay Maine, in the way life should be. Yeah. Ohio yeah. credit props to you. Yes. <laughs> but anyways, um, free agency comes and goes. The one thing I would like to see the Bruins do. Uh, and again, they don't have the cap space but I would have liked to see them shore up the right side a little bit more. Connor Carrick was the only kind of right shot defense when they got, he splits time between the AHL and the NHL, which I guess in some ways is you don't want a guy. I mean, maybe they don't want a guy who's going to constantly have to be in the lineup every night. Like a Jan Ruta would have probably had to have been in the lineup every single night. Um, And when you're battling with Clifton, who also wants to be in there and you're paying him. So maybe they went with the right thing there, but I still would have liked them to shore it up a little bit more. Um, given the market uh, Mark Pissick was the guy that I kept oh, yeah. also looking at. Like I know he's an analytics darling, but like dude played pretty well last year in Buffalo and gets paid like nothing. nothing. I think he's yeah. 850,000. Yeah. I don't know where I forget where he signed, but um, I still think that he would have been uh, a good ad for this team. Cause you could have used him sparingly if needed. Um, okay. Now we talk development camp. The thing that's been happening all week. I feel bad for the kids. You know, they can't, the coverage they deserve uh we're gonna give that to them now um and there will be some more on uh friday so uh who is the prospect that has stood out to you the most through four days yeah i think the one guy that does stand up to me and it's maybe a little bit misleading because he's not actually a drafted bruins prospect but reese gaber who is a camp invite um mm-hmm. he's uh going into his junior year at university of north dakota um Again, it feels like every year some of the more intriguing guys that are in a depth camp are the guys who were invited. Um, and Gaber's the the latest one. Uh, very small player. I think he's 5'8". Uh, certainly looks like it on the ice. Not a big guy, but uh, has been really impressive in battle drills, fighting through contact. You can tell he's one of those guys that uh, makes the most of his frame in terms of you know staying on his skates. Um, tough to knock around. Uh, really good edge work. Uh, they do that small area drills that we've always seen the Bruins do where they get the, uh, the nets in close. And he was a pro at that going up against much bigger guys, um, evading them, evading contact, uh, bringing the puck into high danger ice. 
Um, he's been really good on the rush. There's been a few rushes with him and Beecher where they both kind of turned on the afterburners and uh, a few of the Bruins goalies at Dev Camp have not had a fun time when he's been out there. So, um, again, there's no guarantee that showing up at Dev Camp as an invitee means that you're the team's all of a sudden the leader in the clubhouse for as much as you look at a guy like Mark McLaughlin, who is a really good uh, performer last year as an invite. Also, BC guy from Bill Ricca. Kind of put two and two together there. You can look at last year, probably the best player at Dev Camp for the Bruins was Ben Myers, who was far and away probably the best collegiate free agent. I forgot Ben Myers was at yeah, Dev Camp he last was, year. He was awesome. He was he was legit the entire time. And that was one where people were immediately like, oh, the Bruins are going to be the favorites to get this guy. And he goes to Colum- uh, goes to Colorado. Not everyone's going Columbus. to Columbus. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's everyone's goes, running to Columbus. Everyone, everyone was smitten by the Columbus Zoo, and they're all going there. But no, uh, Ben Myers goes to Colorado. So there is no guarantee there in terms of just because you show up to a dev camp, you're going to land uh, with whatever team ends up being. But if you're the Bruins, it's all about making inroads there, whether you're learning uh, more about the player, players learning more about the staff, the facilities there. It's almost like a recruit uh, like visit, right, where you kind of check out the facilities, all those things. The and uh, yeah, the city and you can keep so you in to touch Castle with them. Island, maybe have a hot dog. Go to Sully's. I mean, that's what I would do if I was like a coach or anything like that. I want to recruit someone, just bring them to Sully's. It's yes. nothing to do with the programs at all. But, <laughs> um, but yeah. So for the Bruins, it's about being proactive, making a good impression, and then hopefully when uh, North Dakota's season ends and he's uh, a guy like Gaber is evaluating his options, Bruins are probably going to be right there in the mix at the very least. Which, if that's what you do and you're putting yourself in that position, that that's what has to be done to get some of these college free agents. And again, we'll see how he would develop in the NHL, but adding a guy like him to the pool of prospects we have can only make you guys a lot better. So I think he's a guy that's definitely stood out to me over the first four days. Some of the best kids that come into the NHL are often undrafted kids yeah. from college. That is how it works. So Myers, I was going to bring up anyways, uh, not, I totally forgot he was at dev camp last year. I'm just saying like this, the same situation he's in. So I'm looking at his stats right now. Again, at a solid freshman year, 21 points, 29 games this year, only nine games, but 11 points. Yeah. wouldn't shock me if he had a really good junior year and he had a similar thing with Ben Myers, like everyone's eyes are like, what's Reese Gaber going to do? You know? Um, and again, he still has another year after this, if he wants um, maybe with the size he wants to, but I still think like if, if the press tour with him is starting off well now, and he has a good junior year, like then maybe you do immediately sign with the team and go to the NHL and capitalize on it. Um, I'll go with Georgie Merkulov who was everyone's favorite on uh, Tuesday. Definitely fun to talk to. Uh, his personality is fun. His English is terrific. Yeah, uh, It's wild that he learned it that quickly. Learned it through the Big Bang Theory, which is just like, hell yeah. I mean, like Petrov McGuire had a great tweet. It was like, uh, is he going to yell like Bazinga after every goal he scores? That's what he should do. Uh, he should, no, I, I'm, I completely agree with that. Um, but again, that's a, he was you know signed out of college only after one year from Ohio State. Interesting case with him. Because, again, the center depth is going to be tested in the coming years. This kid looks offensively terrific. Defensively, even he admits that he needs to work on some things. Um, and, you know, Ryan Mujanel said as much. Uh, and I believe McQuaid said as much uh, throughout this week as well. I feel, I, just, I, I feel like we have to watch, like, some Providence games to see, like, just his D-zone work. Because the fact that everyone's just like, oh, yeah, like, you got to talk oh, about oh, it. <laughs> Like, what is he doing out there? Like, I'm sure he's going to work on it, of course. And he's good that he's being candid about it. But, like, what? What happened in those like short Providence games that everyone's like, oh, he has details. It's like right away. It's like, 
like oh okay. we don't we don't talk about that here i mean yeah. jesus like whoa yeah. it's interesting with him and it's interesting with the bruins because if there's one team that does not take well to kids who don't know the d zone well it is your boston bruins so it is interesting that they're going through this with him then you know what that means they must really freaking believe in this kid because they have passed on guys in the draft before because they're not defensively sound. Um, they do not sign guys out of college who are not good in their own zone. But this changed that. This changed that. He is a so skilled offensively. You see it in like every drill. He is terrific. Um, so someone you got to watch. And someone I'm going to have my eye on, and I think everyone should have their eye on, in Providence this year. And it's funny, people were asking him, you know, about expectations for this upcoming year because you never know if we see him up with the big club during the winter. I don't think he's going to make the team out of camp. But I, I would not be surprised to see him make his NHL debut sometime during the year, especially if he's playing well. So that would be my pick. You know, Riley Duran's been very good. Uh, Ty Gallagher's gotten a lot of eyes on him. I think the real thing's going to be the, interest, the, the scrimmage on Friday. That's yeah. what people are going to get to really see. And what's amazing is, unless... 37 and 46 get signed. Nothing can distract us from this. We get to just watch the scrimmage. There's nothing, nothing from the outside. There's no big news, hopefully, maybe. So we will see. We will see. But Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at Boston Sports Journal? Yeah, we'll have you covered every step of the way this offseason, which hopefully is going to slow down a little bit uh, in the coming weeks. But regardless of any breaking news, all that stuff, we'll have you covered every step of the way, whether it's uh, further takeaways from Dev Camp, projecting the roster uh, for the upcoming season, uh, any potential cap clearing moves, all that good stuff will be over at BSA. So please subscribe at bostonsportschannel.com. Want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. Poke the bear. I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs>